Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So when I was about 10 years old or so, I developed this really, really weird thing. Since you don't know me when I was 10 years old, I thought I would share with you. So I'm really weird, and I've got weird things about me, and you guys are weird too, so don't pretend like you're not. Um, But this is something that developed when I was 10 years old. It's the weirdest thing. I was a normal kid. I mean, for the most part, a boy, I jumped off of stuff. I started stuff on fire, you know, normal 10-year-old boy stuff, you know, that that I never suggest you guys do. But uh, normal boy. And, and this weird thing started happening. I started noticing that when I was actually around people, I started getting really, really annoyed by people. Great trait to have as a pastor, right? So I get really annoyed by It just wasn't like being around you guys. There was something weird that started happening. I started noticing sounds would really like make my skin crawl. Like the certain sounds, and I would hear them, would actually get me angry. And that sound was the sound of people chewing food. If I heard you crunching on anything, I wanted to literally just explode into the Hulk, pick you up, and like throw you through a room. Like, I would get so mad. I was sitting there, and like, these innocent people are just eating some chips and salsa. And like, I'm like sweating. I'm like, I can't take it. I can't take it. I, it, it had this emotional and mental response, which all I can say is, I don't really know what's up. It doesn't make any sense. But if you don't have this problem, you're, you, it seems silly. But if, think of it this way. Nails on a chalkboard, okay? If you hate the sound of nails on a chalkboard, that terrible sound, right? And you're like, oh, I can't stand that sound. It's like that times 10 for me with the sound of chewing or if you breathe like you've got a party favor stuck up your nose, you know, and you're like, like I'm sitting in the room and I'm just like, I just want to explode. I don't get it. In 2000, they actually diagnosed this thing. It's called misophonia. Misophonia is a hatred of sounds. It's an actual condition of the mind in which there's a certain things that build up this fight or flight response. Now, to this day, it's terrible. So, like, let me just say something. If anybody's in marketing, let me just share with you. Whoever thought it's a good idea on any commercial to show you how crunchy that food is by saying, ooh, I love these chips, and they start crunching on the chips, not only do I turn the channel, I vow to never buy that product. Like, it's that bad. Never in a million years am I going to buy that product. Let me also say this. I'm very, I love Mexican food, Okay. But what do you get at a Mexican restaurant? Chips and salsa. This is how bad this is. I hate the sound of myself chewing. So I can't chew in a quiet room by myself crunchy chips. So the fact that like typical Mexican restaurants have like really, really loud Mexican catina music going makes it all okay. Otherwise, I would lose my mind. But when I go into those restaurants, they don't have the music. It's not a good thing. Finally, I'm really, you can see I'm worked up about this is an issue. Crunchers chips. Now, crunchers if you, are those potato chips that are like kettle-cooked, and so they're extra, extra crunchy. Look, they taste great, but just don't buy them around me. The sound when you eat crunchers chips is like you're punching me in the stomach over and over and over again. I don't get it. 
I don't know what's wrong with me. I have this weird thing about it. And this is the only thing I think about when it's happening. I start praying for you. Dear God, please make it stop now. <laughs> now, I won't say I say, dear God, that person's breathing. Please make it stop. I don't say that. <laughs> please have that person blow their nose or just do something. Like, I can't take the sound anymore. There's something wrong with me. But all I think about is, please make it stop. If you would just stop making that sound for a few moments, I would at least have a little bit of reprieve. I could get a moment to get, like, my head back together. And at that moment, I would not be so stressed out. If you could just remove me from this terrible thing that is happening, I would be happy. It's kind of like, the thing about this, when you're out in the woods, any woods people, outdoorsy people, and you forgot you're off and you're surrounded by mosquitoes, and they buzz your ears and they're buzzing in your ear, and you're slapping, and they're going, and they're buzzing. There's like this pure irritation of all you want to do is explode. Like, if I explode, God, let off go on all of them so they all die. Like, there's this feeling of just make it stop, and I will be happy. What about that itch in the middle of your back you can't get, and you're all by yourself, and you're like, if I could just scratch that itch, and it itches so bad, and you're doing that crazy wiggle against the wall corner, like going up and down, and someone walks in, and you're like, I'm practicing my dance moves, and you're like, <laughs> you're just trying to get this itch off of your back. If it would just stop, I'd be happy. But this is the thing we learn about life. Even though something stops, it doesn't make us happy. Even though the irritation goes away, it doesn't make you happy, because there's another irritation to come. As soon as that person stops crunching chips, like, oh, thank goodness, I then listen to myself crunch chips. As soon as you're out of the mosquitoes, there's other mosquitoes buzzing in your ears or flies. As soon as the itch is scratched, you're itchy again. We think that what makes us happy and content is the stop of irritations in our life. We think that we're going to come to a place of peace if these things just stop. But it's not true. It's a misconception we have. We believe happiness and contentment comes from a place in which you're in a, in a state of mind where everything you want is going exactly the way that you want, and then you will be happy. But all of us who've lived a few years know this. It's not true. It doesn't make you happy. Happiness comes and goes. Contentment comes and goes. And if we go simply on the fact that we're waiting for something to either stop happening, we just got this out of our life. If COVID just stopped, we would go back to normal and we would be happy. But we all lived before COVID and we weren't content nor happy then either. So what is it? Like, what is it? Like right now in the middle of a pandemic, that's all we talk about. Let's go for the real irritation. If they just stop putting political ads on television and stop calling my phone and stop texting me. I already voted. I'm done. Stop putting it on TV. I would be happy. But guess what? In four years, they're doing it all again. This is a misconception we have. We have this misconception that if things stop irritating us, we get to this place of peace, we're going to find contentment. We're going to find happiness. But Jesus didn't say that. It's our misconception. Actually, when Jesus came, he flipped everything upside down. He started this whole new idea on the Sermon of the Mount where everything gets flipped upside down. He takes the kingdom of man, our way of living, our thought, our humanity, the way we do things, the way that we think. He takes all this. He says, you think all of these things are true. And he turns it completely upside down and says, this is the way of the kingdom of God. Now, 
We're going to be digging deep into this. Nick kicked it off last week, and we're going to be digging deep into the character. And this week and next week, we're talking about kingdom character. The things inside of how we function, how we do things. Kingdom character looks different from what the world wants of us. Kingdom character is Jesus came as the King of kings and Lord of lords and says, in my Father's house, in my Father's kingdom, things look completely different from the way that you think. It's flipped upside down. You think that you're going to find happiness and contentment by just not being irritated, finding what you want, getting more money, getting the great job, no pandemics, healthy all the time, then you'll be happy. The truth is, it's not true. The way that you find happiness and contentment is actually given to us by the king, but it's not what we think. In 1 Timothy 1.11, he starts talking about this idea of God being blessed. And for kingdom character, we got to start with this idea of blessed, because we're going to get into what's called the Beatitudes, or the blessings of Jesus. But what is this word blessed? Blessed in our world means I get lots of stuff. God, would you please bless me by giving me A on a test I didn't study for? Amen. Like, that's our try to be blessing. God, would you bless me by giving me the things that I want? We see blessings as things that we want. But in 1 Timothy 1.11, God is described as being glorious and blessed. And that translates to happy and content. Blessings isn't getting more, it's contentment. That God himself is pleased and content. He is happy and content. And so when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you don't read the Bible or are new to Bible reading, maybe you haven't read the Bible in a while, haven't read this, I want to challenge you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 while we're going through this series. The, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given, Jesus flips everything upside down. So if you want to know what does it look like for the kingdom of God to be on earth, it's chapter Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The kingdom of God, Jesus' way of doing things, God's way of doing things is there, and Jesus describes all of it to us right there in our character and what we're supposed to be. And he starts this whole beautiful message, the greatest sermon ever given with this idea of blessed. You are happy and content when. And beatitudes comes from the Latin word meaning happy and blessed. So Jesus starts, if your Bibles, you open them, it says, it says blessed. That's what we're going to. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. If you have your Bibles with you, your Bible apps, if you're home right now on Facebook, you can open what you have there. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. Um, I encourage you always to read the Word of God. This, this is His Word. This is not our idea. This is God's Word. And get into it. Read it. I can understand for some, if it's the first time, it can be a scary book. But this is a great place to explore it because it's not a scary book. It's a book of life and a book that actually today we're going to see finds us contentment and happiness with life because this is what Jesus said, not me. So Matthew 5, 5 verses 3 through 6 starts this idea of contentment or happiness. He says this in 5, 3 through 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You read that and you're like, I have no idea what you're saying, Jesus. And that's okay. Because Jesus is speaking in a language we don't quite understand yet. Our rules and our way of thinking 
Jesus is flipping it upside down. When Jesus flipped things upside down, he's going to show us something new. The way that you're thinking is not the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about all the time the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. If you've ever wondered what that means, he's not talking about golden streets somewhere up on clouds. He's saying, this is the way it is in heaven. This is how it is with us. And so you can have it right now on earth because this is what we're like. You can be like. So Jesus said, I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. I am here now. I'm going to show you what it's like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And so when we talk about this, for the kingdom of God is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So we're going to take this morning and break those four sentences down. Inside of four sentences, there's so much richness. There's so much joy. There's so much there that if we could grasp one, you would find happiness and contentment. One, let alone the four that he had there. He starts out with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This kingdom attitude, think of this as a poor is begging the word as it comes out is this begging, destitute, like everything, all that I want. If you've ever been in any sort of ministry where you've gone places where there's people who are in need, you might start to understand this verse. But in America, the poor of America still have resources. I've been to places that don't have resources. I did a mission trip uh, with, with a youth ministry. I was a youth pastor for many, many years, and we went to a very, very poor town in Mexico. And part of what we did is we were there to build homes. And so I had a group of, of like 75 high school students. We went into this poor town and we're building all these multiple homes that were gifted from a local church. They didn't have people to do it. And as we came into this town, if you would call it a town, it was this dirt road. And the first thing I noted were these troughs. They had troughs that ran along both sides of the street, kind of like, like a ditch. I'm like, oh, that's for runoff. No, no, no. That's where they put their urine and their runoff water and their fecal matter down the sides of these. And, and so it was just, it smelled terrible. They didn't have plumbing. And then I, we go up into these homes, and they're not really homes. They're corrugated metal that were kind of leaning together, and they were kind of ship-shaped with some different things to be able to get them basically out of elements. It's the sun and the, wa- and the, air, and the air when it was cold, because it also gets cold down there at times. And we met the families. Now, it was a new definition of poor for me. They had nothing. I mean, literally nothing. And and the fact that we came down there, I mean, everybody was staring at us. Who are these rich, white Americans coming to Mexico? And so as we're walking along with teenagers, just like the teenagers we have in this room, we're walking along the roads, the poorest of the poorest of the poor celebrated us, and we're happy for it. It was weird. I, I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. But on the side of the road, there's a man begging for anything, anything, food, scraps. He was like, just so desperate. Can you please give me anything you have, like anything at all? And then we go to the person's home that we're building. We're building this home. This woman had nothing. She, I don't know her story. I didn't speak Spanish. And so a single mom it looked like with multiple kids. And she was there, and I looked in their shed. They had nothing, literally nothing. And we're building this home, which, I mean, think of it. A bunch of high school students are building a home. 
no, no disrespect to our high school students, but we're not laborers. We don't have construction skills. But we're doing the best we can, and they had plans, and we're putting this together, and she was so happy. I'll never forget, she comes out with us, by us, and we're sitting out there, and she brings us this plate of tostadas, handmade tostadas. She'd spent what little money she had to serve us and brought us tostadas, and the smile on her face, and we had an interpreter there said, please, this is the least I can do. Thank you so much. And I knew that she had to go to market to get the lettuce because they don't have refrigeration. There was fresh lettuce. There were fresh tomatoes on this and some beans on a tostada, and this cost this woman everything. Who are we to receive that sort of thing? When you start thinking this kind of poor, you start to understand what poor of spirit means. When you start get to a place of saying, are you so hungry, begging, and so in want for Jesus and what God has for you, you are begging on the side of the street to say, God, I just need more of you. You're reaching out to his cloak that he would so much as pass you by that you can just barely touch the end of his shoe. Are you so hungry for what God has in the gospel that every single day that you come back to this place of God, what do I have to do to be closer to you? What do I have to do to know you more? Every single day. Because for those people in Mexico, that was their reality every single day. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You have nothing. You want anything you can get from God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For those who want more of God, they get more of God. When you are that hungry for the gospel and for what Jesus is doing and his kingdom come and the worship of the king of kings, that all of a sudden you start to realize, oh my goodness, his ways are my ways because I hang out with him all the time. Happy and content are those people. If you're trying to take your Christianity, your faith, your walk with Jesus, and kind of glue it on to your own life, I'm willing to say it's not working real well, is it? I'm willing to say that you're going to say, ah, my walk is struggling. I've fallen away from God. Yeah, I'm not doing the best right now. I'm not really sure what's going on. Yeah, I kind of am doing some church stuff. Maybe I, this is my first time in a church. Maybe this is the first time watching online. And you're trying to piece together your life, which you think is good, and this other thing, like it sounds like Jesus' life is good too. And I put these two together, and you're saying, why isn't it working, Jason? It isn't working because Jesus told you in this verse, blessed are the poor in spirit because then you get the the kingdom of God. When you want God, you have to be hungry and desperate for him. And then watch how your life changes when you start to release the things you think are good and pick up his ways. Watch what happens when you say, it's not my life but your life, God. Watch what happens when you are hungry Poor in spirit for the king of kings every single day. Watch what happens to your life. I'm not saying it's going to get better. I'm not saying it's going to give you what you want. You will be happy and content. Because American happy is different than Jesus happy, if you haven't figured that out. American happy says I'm very stable and I am secure and I am content with what I have. Jesus happy says, you hunger for him, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, get ready for the adventure of following Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Let me translate this for you. If you're like, man, these are a lot of words, Jason. Let me translate. Happy and content are those who are desperately needy for more of God, for they will adapt and adopt the values of God. Let me say that again. Happy and content are those who are desperately needy for more of God, because they will adapt and adopt to the values of God. But he doesn't stop there, right? That's like one sermon. There's four sermons in this. So I hope you guys are ready for two hours of preaching. Next. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What does it mean to mourn? Mourn is this lament over the death of somebody. There isn't just crying. Mourning is this deep, soul-wrenching, gut-hurting, weeping, and calling out of pain. Mourning is more than just a feeling. It's a state of being. Mourning is something that you go to mentally, physically, and spiritually. All of you is in this plate of such great lament, usually at the place of someone being lost in your life, someone passing away. But to keep in context of the Beatitudes, Would Jesus shift from spiritual life all the way over to someone dying? It doesn't make sense when you look at what's really going on. Let's look at it from the context of the scripture. We hear this at funerals. It's a great verse because God does comfort people. But let's keep it in the context of what he is saying in the word of God. In this place, we're in our spiritual place. Have you ever thought that you were supposed to have the same attitude about your sin as the death of somebody? Like, let me just process this for a second. Have you ever thought that sin grieves you when you are not in the kingdom, when you are making those places, you're at those mistakes, when you are purposefully, knowingly sinning? Do you grieve? Like, do you even get to the point of on your knees weeping before God? Now, remember, blessed are the those who are poor in spirit. You are so close to God Now that when you sin, your heart and your spirit, your body and mind go to a place of absolute mourning before the king of kings. God, because this is not of your kingdom, you weep as if someone has passed. Now, I haven't wept over my sin when I haven't been caught. When I've been caught, I've wept, right? You get caught doing something wrong, and you get caught, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because you fear the person who's going to drop the hammer on you, but you don't fear God. And why is that? Because we live under this beautiful thing called grace. Grace, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you were saved, you are saved, and you're going to be saved from all the mess you're going to do. All your sins you did driving here to church, don't pretend you didn't, you did it. You sinned coming to church, yelled at your kids, got mad. You know, I assume your driving's good, you didn't do anything naughty. Like everything, you sinned, you have sinned, and you're going to sin. And the beautiful grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ is it's all forgiven. And so we sit under the beautiful place of grace because of Christ. But at the same time, if that is true, do you know what it costs for you to have that grace? Do you know what it costs for you to be forgiven? Do you really think about how powerful the gospel of Jesus Christ is every single day? Because if you embrace how powerful the gospel is, You were forgiven, you are forgiven, and you will be forgiven. It flips your whole world around and see that it cost God's son being murdered for you. Somebody did die, Christ, for you. And now you mourn at the fact that you have been saved and you are at a place now that you went in the opposite direction of the beauty of what God has for us. 
Because sin doesn't only hurt you, it hurts others. It leaves scars. It causes damages. It releases a sickness into the world worse than COVID-19, obviously. This pandemic of sin is only cured by Jesus Christ. And so now you mourn and you weep. Not because of you forget grace, but because you understand grace and you embrace the gospel so deeply, it breaks you. Romans 6, 11 through 14 says this about these kingdom character rules. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let any sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. Grace doesn't mean we stop mourning for sin. Grace means we understand the depth of forgiveness even more. And the depth of grace that we understand brings us to a place of even a greater joy and admiration of the King of Kings who saved us because all of us in this room are a hot, flaming mess. If you don't think you're a hot, flaming mess, that's okay. We have an open mic afterwards. Please confess all of your sins for us um, afterwards. We're all a hot, flaming mess. And so the beauty of this, guys, think, Happy and content are those who mourn, mourn their sin because that's the kingdom. That is the way the kingdom works. But that's only two verses. We got two more. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. To meek, me always meant a nerd, a dork. Someone who sat in the corner and said, ah, let's play some more games. And like, like super like, you know, scientific and A student. And like, they don't really talk much. And they're not cool. And they're not in sports. And all those stupid things that we talk about in the world. When I think about meek, I think about weak. I don't think about strong. But there's a crazy thing here. Jesus was called meek. Like, I don't think he's meek, so that doesn't make sense. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29... Jesus isn't a coward. Moses was called meek. In Numbers 12, 3, he goes up before, he's up before Pharaoh, and like, he's like, uh, let all my people go. Now, that was not meek. That is meek in character, but not meek in my mind. His meekness isn't making sense. Like, how are these strong characters in scriptures called meek? Think of it this way. Meekness is quiet strength. It is controlled strength. Like, think of Jesus. Did Jesus ever seem weak in the scriptures? If you've ever read the red letters, like, he's like busting shop. He's like, you guys are wrong. This is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to flip that table. Like, Jesus is a strong character. As we see him and he's interacting, there's no weakness to him. There's powerful, strong control. And that is what meek means. Blessed are the meek, the strong, the controlled, for they will inherit the earth. Now, our first inclination is like, sweet. Like, I now own Richfield. Great. I inherit the earth. I'll take it all. We go right to our human minds. But understand this. Inheriting the earth is in the wrong context. Jesus is flipping values and ideas upside down. 
In our minds, powerful, strong, courageous people have money, power, and influence. People that are leaders, people that we look to, our sports figures are people who are leaders in companies and leaders in communities. We see that they have power and influence, and therefore that will bring success and happiness. But any of you who are leaders in here or run companies or have been involved, you understand this. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't bring contentment. Blessed are the meek. Happy and content are the strong, controlled people, for they will inherit the earth. Christ flips the way we think, because in our world we'd say inherit the earth means conquer and rule and everything is mine, it's all mine. But Christ flips it, because in Jesus' world and his kingdom come, his kingdom come is Jesus comes back, and when Jesus comes back, he, there's a new kingdom he's bringing to earth. When Jesus returns as the king of kings, he doesn't come back as the baby in the manger, you know, like with the wise men and the sheep and all that stuff. He comes back, if you haven't read Revelation, he's on like this big monster horse, and he's come into wreck shop as the king of kings. He does not come back this time as a babe. He comes back as where he should be, the king of all kings, the king of earth, because he has redeemed it. He comes back. He says, strong, control, controlled. This is the one who's going to be kingdom with me. Because in his kingdom, there isn't rage like we see. Uncontrolled, unbridled, mouthing off tongues that are flipping through social media, every single newscast, blah, 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 blah. There's no control. It's just people trying to bully other people. There's no bullying in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, in Jesus' kingdom, he flips it upside down because those who have controlled strength are going to be in his kingdom with his, his rules and his way. In his rule, when things come and everything is set new, it's going to look completely different. So if you can adapt that principle now, controlled strength, you will understand the kingdom of our King. Our last one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Thirsting and hunger are a solution to spiritual bankruptcy. Have you ever been thirsty or hungry to the point of passing out? Have you ever been so hungry you would literally eat anything? Now, I love survivor shows. Like, I watch all those, like, those survival shows, like, guys get dropped in, like, I'm going to survive 30 days out here with nothing. And, you know, they get in there, and then, like, dude starts eating bugs and stuff, right? You see that? Like, I'm going to chop the head off the snake, and I'm going to eat it. I know how to cook it right. Like, I'd, be, I'd eat the wrong berries and die on day one. But <laughs> you get to the point of hunger. If you ever watch these shows, these people get to the point of hunger, I will eat anything. I will drink anything. And now, we all know you don't drink water that's brown, right? You don't drink brown water. It's got contaminants. It's got larvae. It's got all this stuff. you got to boil your water. In these survival shows, if they can't get the fire started and they're just so thirsty, guess what they start sipping out of? puddles. They start drinking anything they can. They are so thirsty and they are so hungry. Anything that is put before them, they will fill their need. What if righteousness or the right way, God's moral standard, you are that hungry for it. Righteousness is God's moral standard, God's way of living. Now we're going to be honest. American culture has done a lot to mess us up. Because right now in American culture, we're saying this. There is God's standard 
but there's my happiness. And my happiness and the way I want to live my life, it's okay for me to do what I want because that's going to make me happy. Whatever it is. Like, whatever I think is true is true to me, therefore I'm happy. It doesn't matter what I do. Like, it does matter. So I'm just going to kind of live my life the way I think is good and be a good person and be a good person to other people and not try to hurt other people, and that will make me happy. But here's the truth of the whole story. It's not true. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be content because you weren't made for that. You weren't made for that. You were made for the kingdom of God. So therefore, righteousness, God's moral standard, the way that God has said things in his scriptures, whether you like it or not, I didn't write the book. He wrote it. It's his words. His standards are the standards that we are called to. We were designed to live in that system. This is the instruction book for his system. So when we don't do what we're supposed to do, it creates chaos. No matter how you say it, however you work it out, it doesn't bring contentment. Something always feels wrong. And I do a lot of pastoral counseling. And in my pastoral counseling, I'm telling you, the people who are doing this and saying, I'm just trying to make it work, I have to ask, are you happy? The answer is, well, not really, no. If there is a standard in which God created us for, his, we're supposed to live in righteousness because of Christ. So his way, his moral standards, are you so desperate, so hungry, that you thirst and hunger in desperation, that any moral standard that God has, you're consuming it as fast as you can. I want to know more about this, God. Tell me more about your ways, God. And so you are just like a desperate, hungry person who hasn't eaten for days upon days upon weeks. Think about the word picture Jesus just set up in four sentences for three chapters of teaching. He set up something that flipped everything upside down. So since we don't live 2,000 years ago, let me tell you what his audience would have been like. They would have sat there with their mouths open, silent, because he just took all the rules that they thought they knew the ways of the world, the ways even of their religion. And he said, you're not understanding. You've misunderstood. This is the way. He flipped it upside down. This is the way of my God, of our kingdom, my Father's kingdom. The kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're bringing it down to you. And in my kingdom, this is what it looks like. Four sentences. Four Sentences. I can't even go any further because right now, think about what you have to now process. Process these four with me. In his kingdom, we are desperate for him. In his kingdom, we grieve over sin. In his kingdom, we are controlled. We are strong. We are kind. In his kingdom, we are aching to be morally upright. If you applied even one of these today, imagine how your walk with Jesus would change. Do you feel your walk with Jesus is kind of meh? It's kind of on the side, it's dying. Yeah, I kind of am doing this, it's good. I, mean, I didn't write it, so he did. His words, red letters in your Bible, if you got the red letter kind. This is something that he said. I just ask you this, friends. Are you desperate for him? Does sin do you grieve? Are you controlled, strong, and kind? And are you aching to be morally upright? 
Imagine what your life would look like. Maybe for the first time you would understand what blessed means. Maybe for the first time in your life. Not only your physical life, but your spiritual life. These together for the first time. For the first time, you're happy. For the first time, you're content. Jesus said it, and this is just the beginning of a journey we'll be going on for weeks about the greatest sermon ever given, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.